The 3CR Gardening Show is coming to you today from the Woi Wurrung Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. We recognise the practices of care and cultivation of the land and waters by the First Peoples and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Wherever you are and wherever you garden, we encourage you to know whose land you're on. Good morning, good morning everybody and welcome to Sunday Morning. This is the 3CR Gardening Show. My name is Aby Bishop and I'll be your host for the morning. Later this morning we'll be joined by a teenage gardener who has a very impressive collection of indoor plants and she'll be giving us the lowdown on how she got into plants, what she's got and how she cares for them. But for now I'd like to welcome two of our very familiar and dare I say favourite experts, (laughs) Meryl Johnson from Seedscape and someone who I haven't seen in a whole two weeks, Jane Tonkin from Tonkin's Bulbs. Good morning ladies. Good Good morning everyone. How are we? We're very good. Well, I'm very good. Yes. Um, and I think Marilyn and I have been sitting here chatting, so I figure she's very good too. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> very it's... bright and chirpy. Bright but that, and chirpy. that might be because you um, both have a filled coffee. Up. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Filled, filled up on caffeine before you came Could in. Be. So, yes. It's a very busy time of year for, for both of us, I think. Me with seeds, with spring about to sprung. And Jane with bulbs being dug and replanted and shipped out and. It's a busy time of year for gardeners, but it's fun. Is it ever not a busy time? No, no. There's always something going on, (laughs) isn't it? It it really is a myth that gardeners aren't busy. No, myth. Even in winter, there's just so much to do, especially, you know, our winters, let's face it, are fairly mild. We can Mm. get out many days of the week and, and garden and even after work, and especially now the sun's getting up that little bit earlier, you can always go for a stroll in the garden before work and just enjoy what's about. It's the season of scent for me. I love the perfumes of, of oh. late winter. Okay, what have you got going on scent-wise? Oh, uh, well, we've got Daphne's. I'm sure mm. you have too, Jane. Daphne's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Daphne Bowler has just about finished flowering now, which is tragic but because it's got <laughs> such a sweet sweet scent much sweeter than even normal Daphne different sort of perfume altogether and a different growing shrub to it's very upright suckering sort of a shrub so grows as a column and ours has got quite tall now so Daphne Bowler winter blooming Middle of winter blooming, coldest mm-hmm. weather of all. Obviously, it's got to get lots of advertising out there to get its pollinators in mm. with that gorgeous scent. So I'm saying goodbye to that one after many weeks of lovely perfume. And and here come the, the pink 
Daphne odoras and the white Daphne odoras and the scented bulbs. I'm sure Jane's got lots of scented bulbs happening at the moment and about to spring. Yeah, there's quite a few different, um, like even um, daffodils that are starting um, now, any of the cyclamenius hybrids and things. Oh, I love um, them. And they all have, I, I love the smell of daffodils. So um, do I. A lot of people like the, the early cheer, the sort of jonquil-based ones, I think a lot of people that suffer from hay fever probably shouldn't have a big sniff. But, um, yeah, they've, I still like that jonquil perfume too. I do I think too. I love it yeah. outside, but I'm not so sure it about changes it inside. inside. Yeah, it's, there's there's a mm. bit of... Um, there's the tiniest hint of... Cat wee. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not selling it well, Meryl. <laughs> no, no, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. It's lovely outside. Um, <laughs> well, I suppose it's you know you leave them in the garden and enjoy uh, them exactly. there. The, the end thing, but um, yeah, there's and as we move into spring, there's a lot of South African bulbs that have a perfume, um, and especially the ones that need moths as pollinators. So they they yes. have this different perfume at night on mm-hmm. you know warm sort of spring evening and you can smell sort of chai latte senses and things on the air and um, there's some pretty cool bulbs out there with scent so yes and that's what I love about this time of year because the pollinators are often few and far between and don't come every day the perfume flowers tend to last a lot longer because, you know, they're designed to do that yep. so they can be available when the pollinators are available. And uh, it's not hot, so they don't burn off in hot winds, etc. And so those flowers tend to last a very long time mm. and emit this wonderful fragrance which wafts on the air. It has to, to drag the pollinators in. So it's a special time of year for perfume plants, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because I, being in the bush where I am, in the environmental living zone, I'm, I always plant with habitat in mind and I try not to grow plants that, well, I mean, theoretically, we're supposed to only grow indigenous plants, but I do have a couple of uh, South African plants that are in pots. But I try not to grow plants that are scented um, specifically because I don't want to disrupt the moths. Um, if they're not, if the plants aren't indigenous, and what, you know, they might um, sort of send the moths off course, so to speak, like yes. like the light pollution does. And, yes. I, and I think, with especially where you are, AB, that you have to be very careful of genetic pollution. Yeah. Um, sort of like I've got some orchids to talk about later. And if you don't look at the provenance of where something is from, like a like one of these green hoods goes from all the way from the Adelaide Hills um, up the east coast to southern Queensland, and if you're putting something, one of the ones from southern Queensland, same same thing, just a variation in the species, and you plant it at your place, um, that genetic cross can also, you know, you lose that species that or the form of that species that you've got where you are. Yes. Um, so there has to be this care taken, I think, with finding provenance on things when you're planting natives and stuff too. Yeah, yeah although, I, do you know what? I'm sort of on the fence about that simply because with climate change, I feel like if there's an increased genetic biodiversity, is that, that going to be a be better a thing, thing rather than just sitting with the sort of one strand of, um, yeah, DNA specifically for a particular plant. So mm. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, I grow, um, one of the plants that's indigenous to our area is Grevillea rosemarinifolia. The beautiful and, plant. Yeah, beautiful plant. Uh, the 
species form can be quite sort of um, tall or taller and a bit bit, bit more rangy. Un- yeah, a bit yeah. rangy, I suppose, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but there's a form called Scarlet Sprite, which sticks at around two metres and is quite dense, etc. And then there's also a green flowered form. So the traditional form has those lovely little red spider flowers, yes. uh, which are extremely nectar rich and the um, eastern spinebills go oh, nuts for them, them. <laughs> yeah, this time of year. And, um, and, and there's also a like a one metre shrub form of the Grevillea rose marinifolia and then the green flower form, which is Lutea. And I grow all of those simply because I actually don't know in the bush around me where there is a Grevillea rose marinifolia. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried about it cross-pollinating at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And also I feel like because it's pretty close to the species from that area, it's going to benefit Yes, um, the, and the I birds. find the denser form too is very good habitat. Mm-hmm. We are so conscious about providing habitat for our little birds yep. at the moment. There, there's certainly been a change of balance in the bird population in our district anyway. Um, we used to be extremely rich in little birds and now the bigger birds, you know, the more aggressive birds are really dominating. So a big thing in our minds is mm. cover for little Mm, birds mm. and those denser forms are excellent for that. Our little blue wrens have got somewhere to hide. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and it's not to say we don't grow um, plants that attract the the bigger honey eaters, the more aggressive ones, but as long as there's a bit of a balance Balance with plants, I think. Yeah, yeah. And just getting back to scent in the garden, of course, all the wattles are starting to go off their heads now. Aren't they ever? And they, like some of them when you get up close and personal with them, have the most beautiful scent. Wonderful scent. Yeah. Yes. So there's The whole um, bush at our place is fragrant at the moment because we've got so many wattles yep. blooming. Yeah. Mm. Which who are um, unfairly blamed for hay fever, I think, <laughs> with, with everyone. So they do so get you, blamed a lot. They do <laughs> get blamed a lot. Yeah. So you saying daffodils actually can Absolutely. cause hay fever? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't Did, know that. Specifically the ones in those sort of jonquil um, range. Like that beautiful creamy um, double early cheer mm-hmm. um, that definitely has a really heady perfume yep. um, that causes a lot of hay fever with people. So, um, but yeah, the the sea of wattle at the moment is amazing yeah. at the farm too. So, well, aren't we lucky in Australia <laughs> to have things like that? There are a few countries where, well, apart from the the fall, the autumn colour mm. change in in some northern hemisphere countries, but we are lucky to have a a late winter where the whole world turns yellow. I yeah. think that's pretty yeah. spectacular. Yeah. That, that's our spring harbinger, yes. as opposed to the uh, the daffodils and the and the other spring flowering bulbs. Jane's giving me dirty looks. Where is she going with this? <laughs> I'm just greedy. I just like them all. I want them all. <laughs> Uh, look, you, you can appreciate some of the things I grow too, though. Can't I, you? I appreciate so, yeah. them all, especially <laughs> sitting on the other side of the desk and you've got these, you've got a box full of most delightful flowering things. It's exciting. <laughs> it, it is. is. It is and, exciting. and at this time of the year, like the galanthus are in full swing, if not sort of um, waning off a bit. Almost and then, going over yeah, now. And yes. then there's the daffodils and stuff and, and then I'm into all that spring flowering stuff from like South Africa and um, uh, from 
North America, like erythroniums and then the wood anemones and things for woodland gardens and all that comes into its own through September, October, which is pretty exciting for me. Yes. Mm. All these words, which I, I just don't know what you're talking about, Jane. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you said anything. Isn't it amazing, though? Like, there's so many plants and you get to know your own sort of favourites. Exactly. And then when yeah, you yeah. travel, etc. that's when it's just like, whoa, whoa. so many. Yeah, I, I sprained my ankle once when I was in Japan. Um, I was there for a stopover and I went for a run in the morning and I was so intently trying to work out what the what the plants were that I fell in a hole oh. and sprained my ankle and yeah to mm. hobble back to the hotel so. <laughs> but it, isn't it lovely when you when you go away and you see these plants that you've only ever seen in, in gardens and yes. books and things like that and suddenly there they are in the wild yep. doing yeah. what is they should be doing very exciting yep. isn't it but I, I have to put in a word for the galanthus uh, the little snowdrops now we're not talking about snowflakes here the snowflakes are the the taller guys white sort of little white bells with some green dots, but we're talking about the true little galanthus, sort of commonly called English snowdrops, and they, they're diminutive little chaps, but boy, do they put on a show mm. in the winter, and ours have just gone nuts in this wetter period that we've had the last two or three years. They've self-seeded like mad, so we've now got carpets of them, mm. which I just think is so delightful. So they're, they're only about... Oh, 10 centimetres high, but quite showy little nodding flowers with three petals, uh, like ballerina skirts flaring out. Mm. And then in the centre, there's the petticoat, which is marked with little green dots. Now, there are people in the world who are called galanthophiles. <laughs> yes. They are totally and utterly crazy. Demented. <laughs> Obsessed, maybe, might be the word. Yes. And they lie on their tummies in the freezing cold of the middle of winter when these things flower, and they examine how many green dots and what shape the green dots are and whether they're green or slightly yellow or even getting very excited, they are truly yellow. (laughs) Maybe I'm I'm a bit... um, I've been known to lay on my stomach looking at glances. I have too, yep, but not all the time. Well, I appreciate that because at least you're not picking them. No, at least you're leaving them in situ yeah. and appreciating them there. It's just exciting. And you yeah. get a bit of photo when you're down on the ground. Yes, mm. you do. <laughs> of the green dots. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have any wild animals that eat yours? No. no. They're quite poisonous, aren't they? Or well, they? I think the animals know what's good to eat and mm. what's not to eat. Well, the thing is the, the bunny rabbits and wallabies and deer eat my daffodils, which mm-hmm. are a narcissus or a poisonous Yeah, but they leave the galanthus alone, and as far as I know, the galanthus actually aren't poisonous. No, I've never Um, known. Do they eat them, or do they just chop them off? Oh, they eat all the foliage off, nibble off, um, and knock it right back to the ground. And of course, that's detrimental to your bulbs in the end because they haven't got all that nutrients that that goes back in to fatten them up. Um, Cockatoos are great with nipping off the buds, uh, daffodil buds, and things like that, and magnolia buds. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, we're talking about magnolias coming into their own now too, which is a bit early because we've had I these. I think so. 
a bit scary sort of warm July yep. to me. Yes. Um, yes. I'm a bit concerned. Yeah. Um, well, Everything's one, certainly early, isn't it? It is, yeah. And um, one of our other regular guests, Loretta, who's um, down at Tembi Point. Hi, Loretta. I know she's listening. Um, Good morning. We, we went to Lightscape at the Botanic Gardens on Thursday, uh, which was a treat. Uh, but it was 17 degrees. Mm-hmm. That's nuts, isn't it? For it, the end of July. That, yeah. Is, is yeah. that not and, crazy? Well, the morning temperatures are, you know, you get... I'm usually out of bed about six o'clock and, you know, it's nine degrees some morning. And I'm like, this is usually should be about minus two for yeah. July for yeah. us. Yes. Um, frosty morning, beautiful days where it might get to 14 or 15. But, um, yeah, very, very warm overnight, which is kind of mm, scary of what might be coming. It is, and mm. especially considering what's happening in Europe at the moment. And mm. with we know that we're moving into El Nino. Mm. So it's um, about starting to care for the plants already, isn't it? Yes, and, it is. And yep. put, in, put in place a few What's care, to... caring for Mother Earth and, and yeah. what we've got, I think. Um, and, you know, yes, I grow bulbs and perennials from all around the world and um, it's about preservation for me too um, and conservation. Uh, and I think... More than ever, it's now trying to create microclimates in our own gardens and things. To, yes, exactly. and, that, and that's preserving what we were talking about before, frogs and birds and yeah. um, all of these things are, are just as important as the it's plants. It's diversity. And stuff, if not more important um, mm. to a degree. So yeah, anyway, soapbox, sorry. Yeah, No, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure our listeners are all uh, metaphorically on their soapboxes as well. Yes. Um, listening to us and, and I would just say, for me, I think water is – Absolutely key. I mean, it sort of sounds a bit obvious, but just start getting more and more bird baths, or as I like to call them, hydration stations out in the like garden, that. and yes. keep them clean and topped up. And uh, that that's such a simple way uh, that we can help. Yeah, help and a couple of weeks ago, when Craig and I were here, we were talking about put putting your um, sorry hydration station mm-hmm. um, where you know the little birds have got access to it. And shelter at the same time, so yep. don't just stick it out in the middle of the lawn because you like the look of your bird bath. Yeah, and yes. if you don't like filling them up or cleaning them too often, which I actually enjoy, I, I bought myself a really lovely brush so that it's a pleasurable experience, and I hang it in the same spot, so I actually know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not running around looking for something to clean. Um, but you, if you have a slightly deeper bird bath, and I'm sort of holding my hands up, and I'm probably looking at about sort of 15, 20 centimetre deep bird bath, which is usually too deep for the little birds. But putting scoria in, so yes. scoria is that volcanic material which is really light. It's got lots of holes, and within those holes there's bacteria, and that, that bacteria helps keep the water clean. So yes. if you don't like cleaning your bird bath very often, um, get, a, get yourself a bag of scoria from the hardware store, put it in a watering can, in a um a wheelbarrow and fill it up and wash it out and it'll be a bit red for a little while just get all the dust off it and uh, half fill your bird bath hydration station with the scoria and uh, that helps keep it clean and also gives a, a really safe base if the critters do happen to yep. fall in and yeah yeah and we always put a nice big stone in the center of ours yeah. too just so you know little Little Something. people can climb out if yes. they need to and <laughs> yes. launch yes. off again. And, yeah, they love it. Yeah. And we have ours outside the kitchen window, so whenever you're doing the dishes, there's always somebody having a 
a bath there and then there's another one sort of further, well, several further down in, in the garden in much more sheltered spots. But I love that one under the kitchen window because it, it's quite small, shallow enough for the little birds and they absolutely love it. But you do have to keep refilling it because they keep emptying yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's right near the kitchen. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I should get to a few community announcements because uh, we do have quite a few to get through. So first of all, the Open Gardens Victoria have got an online bird-friendly gardening event. This is on Thursday the 31st of August from 7.30 till 8.30. Uh, the tickets are $30 and um, they have got um, Dr Annie Naimo of BirdLife Australia and she will talk about the fundamental features of habitat gardening and it will cover the role of our gardens in supporting wildlife and biodiversity as well as the principles of selecting plants and designing your garden to support your local bird life. So exactly Yay. what we were just talking about. So if you want to uh, hear it from the other experts, um, it's the Open <laughs> Probably Gardens. Probably the real experts. <laughs> yeah, the real experts. Um, uh, that's Open Gardens Victoria Bird Friendly Gardening Online Event, Thursday the 31st of August, 7.30 till 8.30, and it's $30 per ticket. So you can hop online and check that out. It's very cheap. That is cheap, mm. yeah. Mm. Uh, Heritage Fruits Society grafting and tree sale day so that was yesterday and today today is from nine o'clock till noon at petty's orchard at one homestead road in templestowe and bless them they have included a malway reference 22 a 11 just i want to read that out just because i haven't read out a malway reference reference for a long long time time. (laughs) most of the malway books have fallen apart i usually give people the malway reference to find us because you can plug the address into the GPS and it'll take you in the back tracks that you can't get oh, through. Okay. So, um, yeah, sometimes Melway reference is still good. Useful. Good yeah, thing. Exactly. Uh, free entry. Uh, so they offer uh, – so it's grafting and tree sales. You can purchase scion from a wide range of varieties of apples and other fruits and tree sales of two-year-old ready-to-plant apple and plum trees. Um, There is grafting demonstrations and an orchard tour. So that's the Heritage Fruits Society Grafting and Tree Sale Day. And given the way the spring's progressing, this is the perfect weekend to do it. You wouldn't want to leave it for much longer. No, Things are on the move. Things are on the move. The buds are swelling. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of an art grafting too, so I I think it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, Uh, watch an expert. Absolutely. It's easy to do once you know how. Once you know. Sorry, Abby, that was at Warren Wright, wasn't it? Um, uh, Where are you? Templestone. Templestone, sorry. Yeah, so one homestead road in Templestone. The Friends of Geelong Botanic Garden have got their August-themed walk, which is Chinese plants in our garden. And this is on Sunday the 13th of August at 2pm and you can meet your guide at the front steps of the Geelong Botanic Gardens and it's a a gold coin donation. Uh, China had the first botanical gardens in 138 BC, a couple of years ago. (laughs) <laughs> and um, you can join the tour and just check out the rare and beautiful plants that they've got in their garden there and uh, just see how they've used them. Uh, the Friends of Melton Botanic Gardens have got the 38th Western Region Garden Clubs Conference on Saturday the 26th of August from 10am 
and the theme is dry climate gardening. Uh, the speakers are Jane Edmondson, Simon Ricard, and Professor Tim Entwistle. Gosh, that's a that's a lineup, that's isn't it? Yeah. Line wow, that's <laughs> amazing lineup. Yes, and um, and then on Sunday, the twenty seventh of August, there's a guided tour of the Melton Botanic Gardens to see the dry climate plants. The plant nursery will be open, and there will be refreshments. Uh, so this is uh, Saturday the 26th and Sunday the 27th of August. Uh, it's $45 per person for the Saturday and you must book online. So that's the Friends of Melton Botanic Garden. So you can I think hop that's onto excellent value. Yeah, mm. it is. Um, and, uh, yeah, fantastic. Okie dokie. Next on the agenda. Uh, this is the Friends of Mary Creek. They have got two events. They've got, so this is the Saturday, the August the 12th. It's the LGBTIQ Friends of Babai Jinanang Planting, which is at the east end of Dukes Road in Faulkner help restore degraded sections of a grassland by planting indigenous grasses and wildflowers and add genetically diverse banksias to our silver banksia orchard. And on Sunday, the 13th of August, is the planting at Strettle Wetland in Thornbury and help the friends look after this special site with the support of the Derbyn Derebin Bush Crew. If you can, BYO gardening gloves, but some will be available, light refreshments provided. So there are two events for the Friends of Mary Creek on Saturday, August the 12th and Sunday the 13th. Excellent thing to do. Then we have got, so for gardeners who live around the Murrubark area, there's a new community garden being established in the heart of Murrubark and organisers would dearly love some help bringing it to fruition. It's approximately one acre of public green space employing organic gardening principles and operating on a communal model. Members will garden collectively, sharing produce and partnering with community organisations to improve food security. The garden will be open to the broader community, providing nature connection and educational experiences around food growing and sustainable living. Now, they're having uh, a working bee and they'd really love a few hands um, to make light of the loads of mulch and soil that they need to move. And so this is on Saturday, the August the 19th from 9am to 4pm at 8 Station Street in Moorabark. Uh, please BYO shovel, rake, and if you can, a wheelbarrow. So that is the Murrellbark Community Garden. So you can go to their Facebook page or you can email uh, for more information, murrellbarkcg at gmail.com or contact the secretary at 0425 uh, so that is all the community announcements for this morning. Uh, so that I should just say this is the 3CR Gardening Show. My name is A.B. Bishop. And at the start of the show, I mentioned that we were being joined by a teenage gardener who is passionate about indoor plants. 
And um, now I'd like to say a um, big welcome to Maya Quinn. Good morning, Maya. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, welcome to the studio. You've come up from the peninsula. Now, Maya, I first learned about you a few years ago uh, when your mum, Andy, messaged me on Instagram with a photo of you reading my book, Habitat. <laughs> so, of course, oh. you got lots of brownie points for that. Yes. <laughs> lots and lots of brownie points. Um, but as I got to know you a little bit better, I learned that you really are into your plants and uh, gardening, etc. And we sort of got to know each other a little bit better. And um, this year I interviewed you for a feature in Gardening Australia magazine, which is in the July <laughs> issue, which we've got here in front of us. Um, so, look, thank you so much for coming in. Why, why don't you um, let us all know who you are and how you got into gardening? Yeah, well, thank you. So I've been in love with, like, nature ever since I can remember. I used to go outside and collect things and study them and pretend I was a professional botanist or something. <laughs> um, yeah, and then for my eighth birthday, my parents got me a Monstera Deliciosa, and I didn't realise that you could keep plants inside, and I was so excited. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, yeah, so I brought that and put it right next to my bed, and I felt really excited that I could bring the outdoors in and feel like I could have nature closer to me all the time, which was good. Fantastic. And I have been to your place and I've seen your original one, which is still growing strong. So kudos to you. (laughs) (laughs) You've kept it going and you've also um, managed to propagate it. Yeah, I've got probably around like eight new monsteras from the same babies off the the parent. (laughs) Yeah. So it's cute. We've got a little family of monsteras. They're all been propagated from the same one which is good fantastic and how do you do that yeah well monsteros are pretty easy to propagate it's just you have the aerial roots that stick out from the stems Mm -hmm. and you cut just below it and sometimes you put it in water or just soil Mm -hmm. so they're really easy they kind of just sprout and just go on (laughs) they're really you're supposed to say it's really difficult (laughs) man (laughs) yeah anyway yeah so that's really easy so We've just got those scattered around the house, which is good. Fantastic. I was going to say you might need a bigger bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to mum and dad. She needs a bigger room. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, how many plants have you got now? You've got a bunch. Um, well, in my room, I've got around 50. Wow. Um, <laughs> no problem with oxygen in your room. Yeah. And then we've got a lot more around the house, but my room is probably the most <laughs> abundant with plants. Now you had to move bedrooms, didn't you? Because yeah. you out, your, your plants outgrew your room. So. Yes, that is true. So. I had this tiny room and all my plants were at the window. There was not much light, so it wasn't really practical anymore. So I moved to another bedroom with so much more light and shelves everywhere and there's just the plants are a lot more happier. Uh, Are you able to grow different plants now? Yeah. um, Before I had to, like, have plants that were suitable for shade. Yep. um, But now I can have more, like, cacti. They like more um, sunlight, which I can have now, which is good. And one of your favorite plants I know is your maidenhair fern. Yes. And that can be very tricky to keep alive, but you've managed to keep yours alive for years and years and years. Yeah. I'm giving you greasy looks now. (laughs) (laughs) I always kill mine. Yeah. Um, how is that surviving in your new room? Yeah, it's going pretty good. I think it's liking the more light, Mm -hmm. even though they don't like direct sunlight, but I'm keeping it in kind of shady area but still got good enough direct indirect light um I've had it for six years now so I think it was my second plant that I got or something like that um 
but yeah, it's surviving really well, I think. Okay. <laughs> they like a lot of air humidity. They don't yeah. like the air to dry out. That's yeah. That's the secret of them. And no direct sunlight as yeah. well. I miss Shit. them every couple of days with a little flat mister. That's so. why it's so happy, the <laughs> yeah. little spray bottle yeah. of mist, yes. Yeah. And then, I mean, 50, that's a lot of plants to be looking after. Mm. Um, how do you manage that all? Well, I really enjoy looking after plants. I have this thing called plant day or spa day every two weeks. <laughs> so I bring all my plants out from my room and all over the house, bring them outside and water them, give them some natural sunlight. And sometimes I feed them every couple of weeks. I soak their water so they get soak their soil, sorry, so they get enough water. And then I use a plant mister and spray all their leaves and wipe them all down just so there's no water sitting no. on them, but they get humidity. Yes. And, and it cleans off the dust. Yeah, so they all the dust breathe is gone. properly. Yeah. Yes. And so they seem to really like that. Bet they do. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's a really good time to connect with your plants. Yeah, it's really good. I feel like I wear bare feet most of the time when I'm doing it. I put good them out girl. on the grass. <laughs> I like to feel grounded when I'm with my plants and wiping their leaves just makes me feel calm all the time. I feel more connected to them and they all have like individual personalities as well. I feel like, yeah. I want to take her home. Yeah. (laughs) I want to go to a spa day. I want to be a plant. This girl is my reincarnation, I think. We will reiterate, she's 16. Yes. 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 Um, Yes. And for me in the industry and loving plants and stuff, I'm in awe, sweetheart. Oh, you, thank you. Well done. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. It, it does the soul good to know that there's somebody that is so into plants. And what at did such you say earlier age. when I said Maya was coming in? Yeah. You went, said- <laughs> <laughs> Jane was very excited. very yeah. excited that you, you weren't just sitting at home on your play box. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Play, yeah. Whatever you yeah. call it. Uh, well, <laughs> Xbox. Yeah, Xbox. <laughs> yeah. all, you know, most other 16 year olds are still asleep on a Sunday morning and no, and she's yeah. up and in here. And that, that might have been forced. Us. Yeah, no, I, I took my alarm and woke up early. I would have woke up at like 10 normally. <laughs> I'm glad you're human. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that, that's really good, mate. And I, I know um, after chatting to you earlier that you felt an affinity with plants and nature from a really, really young age. Mm. Um, and even as young as five, I, I think you said that you started connecting. Yeah, I remember a memory from when I was five years old. We were going to like this science fair or something and there was a path with a row of like smooth bark gum trees and I hugged every single one of them and said, I love you tree, I love you tree. (laughs) And so my family told me to hurry up. I was staying behind showing my gratitude to all the trees. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. And, I mean, it's something that we all, even if we don't necessarily physically do it, I think as gardeners we often – like mentally just hug the trees or say yes. hello. I know that wherever I drive I've got, you know, probably a dozen specific trees that I, they just stand out to me and I have some sort of connection with them and I always say hello to them and I feel like they say hello <laughs> back to me. Um, so it's just lovely to have that sort of connection. Yeah. And, and I think it also shows how important it is for parents and grandparents to involve children in gardening and nature from a very early age. Mm. Even if they don't turn into gardeners, of course, they're going to turn into computer geeks or, (laughs) you know, accountants or something. But they have this affinity with nature and an understanding of the natural 
processes and the natural rhythms, which is very health-giving all the way through your life. I remember my, I was lucky enough to grow up on an intergenerational farm. So there was grandparents, parents and children. And it was an extended family farm. So it was not just my parents, but it was my, my father's brother as well. So I had cousins and we basically ran as a wild natural <laughs> herd. <laughs> but I can remember for my eighth birthday, my parents gave me a subscription to a gardening magazine because all I wanted to do was dig in the ground and plant things. So they thought, well, at least I could do it properly. So they gave me a subscription for my eighth birthday to a gardening magazine. Best thing they ever did. Look where Fantastic. it went. Fantastic. Yeah, look where it went. And it's so important exactly. to nurture the young ones in this for their, their mental health, their physical health, for the world's health. It's a life-giving thing to do. Absolutely. And I know your brother is into the environment as well, isn't he? He's yeah. a real birdie. Yes, he yeah. loves birds and everything about them. It's Bless really him. good. Yeah, we're a nature family. Good, good, <laughs> good team, yeah. And being where you are on the Mornington Peninsula, I guess you're sort of quite close. And do you have bush walks around you? That Yeah, well, we have the... Balcom Estuary and the boardwalk around there. So we like to walk the dog around there as well. Yeah. Um, obviously keep him on a leash. But yeah, we like all the natural habitat that's around our area. Our backyard is really close to the estuary. So we've got lots of nice habitat for the animals. Fantastic. Look, this is The Gardening Show. I'm A.B. Bishop and I'm in the studio with Mayor Quinn, Meryl Johnson and Jane Tonkin. Um, And we're just talking about, I guess, how we all got into gardening and a lot of us were sort of quite young. I know myself, I was um, always out in the garden pulling apart plants and um, finding rocks and those sorts of things. And honestly, Mayor, when I came down to your place and um, you and your mum were telling me about when you were younger, you used to have a rock collection and I noticed you have fish in your room. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just a young me. Um, and you've just been so supported by um, your mum and dad as well. So, uh, I mean, with all your indoor plants now, like honestly, I'm quite in awe with what you've got. So what are, what are some of your favourites that you've got going now? Yeah, well, today I've brought an emerald peperomia. Beautiful. So this is one of my most recent plants that I've gotten, and it's looking really happy. It so. looks incredible. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've just got lots of different types of plants. When I go to buy plants now, I've kind of gotten all the c- common ones, so I need to find... <laughs> That's my girl. (laughs) We need to find like rare ones more now. It gets worse and worse and worse. I I believe Maya might have had a a little wish list that gets passed around to her family so that they can gift ideas. (laughs) That's exactly right. But, uh, you know, Maya, you really need to get with the program. You cannot give friends and family, botanical names, a list of botanical names. No, yes, she can. We need to educate them too. Maya, you keep it up. She won't get any plants. (laughs) What's on top of your wish list? Um, Well, I haven't looked at my wish list for ages actually because my birthday's already passed. Um, But I've kind of got – I need more ferns, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You do. Yeah. 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 I've got the maidenhair fern and bird's nest fern – but I feel like I like to broaden my collection. I feel like there's lots of plants out there that I haven't really even like known yet. So mm-hmm. I like to look at new ones and exactly. see. Exactly. Yeah. Is there room in your your yard to have a shade house? Yes. Well, I do have one. I oh, got, good. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's only a mini one though. Um, but yeah, I put all I the think plants. That I'd put that on the top of the Christmas list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a, so a nice big one just on that, yeah, yeah, south side of your house there would be amazing. Yeah, although not for the aesthetics, but I mean, <laughs> it's good for all the plants. I normally put plants in there that need healing, like if they uh, need more humidity or something, I'll put them in there just to get them stronger and, yeah, if I need to treat them as well. Yeah. And do you sort of um, take into account each plant's individual needs? Yeah, I like to, because they all have different needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if they're the same species, they have different needs. I like to care for them individually, like people. I like <laughs> look at them like they're all individual and I like to treat them, yeah, to their needs. So I'll give them different amounts of water or humidity based on what they want. <laughs> and what are some of the signs that you look for if you think they're starting to struggle? Um, well, I'm, d- if- I'm just getting tips for myself here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have like physical aspects like yellow or brown leaves, it might be to do with the water or fertilisation. If they have like a nutrient deficiency or something, you kind of have to look really deeply into p- the p- plant and what species it is and what it's actually looked like if you've got like um an insect infestation or something the plant will react to that so you might get yellow leaves as well you kind of really just need to know what you're doing to the plant and how it's reacting and you kind of have to change your routine to what it wants Mm. no i I agree with you you have to think like a plant yeah which sounds (laughs) weird but you do have to think like a plant yeah exactly think of the whole environment and what's happened recently and what the weather's doing and exactly Yeah. And do you have any trouble with things like fungus gnats? Um, yeah, well, we've got an infestation in some of our plants at the moment. I just treated them with hydrogen peroxide yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so a mix of hydrogen peroxide and water, one to four ratio. Um, and you just soak the soil and I, don't, I haven't seen results yet because I only did it yesterday. Um, but that should kill the larvae in the soil. And then I've got fly tape, which the adults... It's like a sweet tape that they are attracted to the sugar or something in it. Um, and so hopefully I can get the <laughs> numbers down. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That, and I have heard that hydrogen peroxide um, is fantastic for plants and I actually put a couple of teaspoons in my spray bottle <laughs> for spraying the leaves and um, I've heard that is very beneficial well, It's better for them. than for your hair, isn't it? It is, yes, yes. Although you can use it on your face. You can use it on your skin. <laughs> um, Maya, is this something that is so deeply entrenched in your soul that this is going to be your career? Yes, um, I've for ages now. I've been wanting to do horticulture. I've known what university I'm going to. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, <laughs> okay, what university do you want to go to? I want to go to the University of Melbourne on the Burnley campus. Yeah. So, Shout out to anyone from yeah. Burnley. Are we listening? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So my past family members have gone there and said it's been great. So I'm hoping to go there and study horticulture and also landscape design. So I like the designing aspect of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Although you'll probably be designing only in- with uh, foliage plants, is that right? <laughs> yeah, well, when I'm doing outside, I'll do a mix of everything. Everything mixed together looks good sometimes. But, yeah, depends on what the plants are looking for, really. Yeah, but indoor landscaping is oh. a great and so important, uh, you know, as as uh, high-density living takes over more and more then Mm. indoor landscaping is very important yeah (laughs) absolutely and actually you just reminded me Meryl we've in the Gardening Australia magazine in the September issue which is coming out soon very scarily um (laughs) 
th- there's a, a couple in Perth called the um, TNK Loft and um, you can find them on Instagram under the same name and um, TNK standing for Team No Kids. So their, <laughs> their kids are their plants and they've got this incredible uh, loft home that is – it's honestly like you're in the jungle. You, you need to read it. And, <laughs> yeah. and, wow, it's so inspirational what they've done. They just created walls of plants and – uh, I've got them everywhere. So so healthy. I mean, the, the scientific research backing us up now that uh, communicate human communication on whatever level with green things and nature and living things is actually really important for mm. us. And they've been doing research into people with mental illness and, uh, you know, how long they need to stay in nature. It just resets their their mental rhythms and their brain chemistry and we've got scientific oh absolutely yeah absolutely now. and um it reduces your cortisol lowers your your yep. heart rate and yeah yep. so, so many good things so you must be very relaxed maya yes <laughs> yeah it's good i feel a lot more relaxed when i'm around my plants i don't know if it's just me personally because i absolutely love plants i think my whole family benefits from it as well i yeah. think so yeah. yeah and and your dad um jason he's into gardening as well yeah yeah, yeah. he was a landscape designer for a couple oh, of was years he? i think I didn't yeah know that. yeah and it's kind of runs through my family my biological grandpa was a botanist Mm -hmm. he discovered an orchid in Papua New Guinea wow which was named after him so it was really good that is cool do you know which one oh sorry I I don't know the first name but it's Darvashirii because his last name is Darvashire yep so yeah that's cool good yeah that's a good start that is super cool that's one that you'll have to collect yes get get your hands on somehow I think it's hard enough being a, a teenager these days um when we're talking about mental health and things it's a lot more difficult than when I was a teenager um so I'm just I'm super proud of you for thank you you know um being a little bit outside of the square it's fabulous to see do any of your friends share any of the same interest or um yeah well one of my friends is really into nature as well right um so I like you know, hanging out with her because yeah. she has similar interests. But, yeah, I feel like all my friends know I love plants and yeah. they, you know, sometimes share an interest but they're not as obsessed as me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, May, you've just um, been given a lovely shout-out from John Arnott from the <gasps> Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne. So I think he's... He's uh, a legend. He's so this is a yeah. legend. So, yes, oh, thanks, nice. thank you, John, for that mm. um, lovely message. Yeah. Um, really good. So, okay, so you've got your Peperomia over here. Which species or, or cultivar was this one? Um, this is Peperomia caferata. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just really good. The leaves are, like, kind of shiny, which is really pretty. <laughs> yeah. um, I love, like, the detail in the leaves' veins as well. It makes yes, it look really it nice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's gorgeous. And quite a silvery sheen to yeah. it. Yeah. So. It really has a lot of diversity of colour in it with the silvers, the mm. dark greens, and then the sort of more limey greens. It's, it yeah. really is a colour symphony <laughs> yeah. just amongst the leaves. doesn't need to flower. <laughs> yeah, it's got little flowers as well. I don't know if there's any on it at the moment, but they've like little green spikes as well. Yes. You can have like little 
It's really cute. <laughs> textural interest. Yeah. <laughs> and I know in your room you like to keep your pots and everything quite neutral mm. just for aesthetics. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. I like to keep the pots. This one's green, but I like to have, you know, blacks, whites, greys and greens mm-hmm. um, because I like the plants to have their time to shine, not the pots. <laughs> yes. So I keep the pots neutral so the plants have, you know, can show off as well. <laughs> Especially when the colouring is so subtle mm. um, in in the foliage, as you say, you you need something quite quiet behind that yeah. to allow those textural interests and colour contrast to show yeah. in the subtlety of the leaves. <laughs> and what potting mix do you use? Just a, a standard sort of yeah. indoor plant potting um, mix? Well, I yeah usually use that just from Bunnings or something. Yeah. Um, but I'll mix different materials into it based on their needs. So yes. like monsteras in the wild like to go climb on trees and stuff. So it'll, the soil's more barky and aerated. So I like to put more barky materials into it just so it feels more at home. <laughs> Yeah, it's perfect. It is, isn't it? I know. That's uh, and, and what about any? Do you propagate from any of the others, or just your monstera? Yeah, well, I propagate some of the peperomias as well. You just mm-hmm. the like where the leaves start from the stem. That's their node type thing. Um, so you cut it off there and just stick it in the soil, and new leaves sprout out. So I've propagated this one, and the money plant I think it is mm-hmm. um, a couple of other species. Yeah. Oh, cool. And do you give them away for gifts? Um, I like to keep them for myself. <laughs> like yeah. all gardeners, she's very acquisitive. <laughs> yeah, I do. I keep some for myself just because why not have free plants? Um, yeah. But I also like to sell them. I had the plant stall a couple of years ago. I propagated lots of succulents and plants and sold them because I was trying to save up for the Monstera Thai constellation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I was saving up for that, which worked out with the amount of money it was originally, but it doubled in price by the end of I got the money. So I didn't get it in the end, but spent it on other plants. (laughs) They are insanely expensive, aren't they? Yes. Yes. Where did you have the stall? Um, like at my house, house. On, the, <laughs> on the driveway. Yeah. Yeah. She was only selling to her parents and brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, people sometimes walk down our street and my mum did the Facebook shout out and yeah. everything. And so a couple of people came down, which was good. Yeah. That's fantastic. And what do your um, school peers think of your um, love of plants? Yeah, well, in Year 7 I spoke to the principal of my school, which was really scary. Um, I wanted to incorporate more Indigenous plants in the school's garden. Yes. (laughs) Good Um, (laughs) Yeah, but then COVID came, so it kind of didn't really work out. But I felt good talking to him about it, just, you know, getting him more knowledge about plants and everything. So I try to, you know, get my interest into lots of other things. Yeah. And what are the school grounds like? Yeah, well... <laughs> got some gardens happening They've down got there. lots of gardens yeah, happening. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, it's really good. They've got a mix of plants. Obviously, they have to be careful. Like, they can't be spiky or anything for children running around. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's quite good. It's got a good range of plants, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, very good. So, um, Jane, how did you... I mean, you must have grown up in nurseries, did you? Yeah, well, I... Because you Mum and Dad were already sort of um, well and truly advertising in Your Garden magazine and things and we were in the cut flower game. and So I grew up with bare feet too. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. There's no, nothing better than bare feet, yeah. I think. That's um, right. It's great. 
maybe my feet don't like it so much anymore. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that was it was sort of falling into it, I suppose. But um, we growing up on a farm like Merrill, you you take it for granted after a while. Like you go you go and see a friend, um, and they've just got a normal house block, and you're like, ah, oh, so where's the wallabies? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I suppose. It's going to places like that that then you you appreciate it when you come home um, and kick your shoes off and things. Uh, so uh, my love of the rare and unusual from around the world probably inherited from mum and dad, but I think I also have um, my own sort of idea on what I think is um, more stunning than other things as well. So. Um, a bit like Maya, it's it's whatever makes your heart sing. I think. Mm, exactly. And, and Maya, I hug my pots. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, especially especially my frill area pots. I can, they're, I they're huge big that. pots, and, and I give them a hug. And go, please, please flower for mummy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I uh, talk to all my plants. <clears throat> congratulate them. I, oh, you beautiful! <laughs> oh, look what yeah. you've done this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I'm always very grateful when I manage to get something to flower. And although I was saying this morning, I've got some bulbs coming up in the glass house and they're just starting to flower. And I, I went in yesterday and naturally the rats have taken the heads off them. So it's like there's always something that is I know, is, but yeah. that's part of gardening. No, not the rats. <laughs> not, not, yeah. not rats or rabbits. Yeah. No. <laughs> Cockies, I sort of suck it up. Yep. But, uh, yeah, rats and rabbits... Goodbye. <laughs> Very annoying. Very annoying. Namero, you brought in some seeds. Yes, it's seed sowing time. It's really it is okay. people are really going nuts at the moment mm-hmm. sowing their seeds. Uh, as as we pass that shortest day of the year and the the length of day starts to lengthen, the uh, sunshine comes. Well, sometimes, <laughs> but uh, the light levels increase. And it, it's just the time that seeds go nuts. And as I said, my theme today, I'm, I'm just in love with scent in the garden. Mm-hmm. So I brought along a, a whole lot of seeds of some new things that we've got, some unusual things, but all of them are scented. And I thought I'd start with the really old-fashioned, original spicy sweet pea. I love Mm. sweet peas. And they had such a good year last year. It was the perfect year last summer for sweet peas. They lasted for months and months and months. So easy to grow, ideal in a pot or in the veggie garden. I actually grow mine in the veggie garden on tripods so that I can harvest those beautiful flowers. And every time I'm down in the veggie plot, which is where I do spend a fair bit of time, I've got that lovely scent. But I love the colours of the old-fashioned ones, those soft and subtle blends of colour. So the one I brought along today is uh, an old one called Machucana. And it's got smaller flowers than, than the big modern hybrid sweet peas. That doesn't worry me. It has a lot of flowers. It has a very good length of stem. And the scent is out of this world. It just can't be beaten. It's not a terribly big climber, about 1.5, 1.8 metres, so ideal for tripods. And in a large pot with a tripod built on top of the, the pot, you can have in a very small space an absolute wallop 
of, <laughs> of perfume. Mm. They're, they're really easy to grow. All of the things I've brought along today in seed form are easy to grow so that you do get that instant gratification that Maya was talking about. You, you get that feedback and then you get excited and you want to do more, more, more. So really the only trick to sweet pea seeds and, and pea seeds in general, edible peas as well, make sure you don't eat the sweet peas so they're, they're not edible, is to soak the seeds overnight mm-hmm. before you sow them just to swell them up. There's a um, Most seeds have some sort of germination inhibitor which prevents them from germinating at the wrong time of the year. It's not in the plant's best interest to have, have something germinating at the wrong time of the year. So you need to sort of disperse that inhibitor so that your seed knows it's time yep. to grow. It's safe. It's safe. Yep. That's it. So you boil some water, pour it into a glass or a, a clean container, let it go just off the boil. You don't want to put your seeds into boiling water, but nice warm water. If you can stick your finger in it, that's about the the right temperature. And leave them in there overnight, about 12 hours, and they will have taken on board that water, dispersed the inhibitor that's encased within the seed, softened the shell, and then they're ready to plant the next morning or or the next day. So that's the little trick for those. And and it really does make a difference, doesn't it? Oh, it makes I've, a huge difference. I've done difference. some experiments where I've soaked seed overnight and not soaked seed, yeah. and they they come up twice as quickly when, they you, do. when you've soaked them. They do. There is a limit, about 24 hours. After that, you're either wasting your time or actually breaking down the seed. Mm-hmm. So we say to people, uh, a good little test is if the seed is sunken to the bottom of the container by next morning, it's taken on board the water and it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, and this applies to all seeds that, that like a soaking. If they're still floating on the surface of the water in the morning, then they haven't taken on board the water and they haven't broken down their casing yet. Because many seeds have a hard casing which needs to break down um, to allow the moisture in to disperse the inhibitor. So a, a, a trick with something like pea-like um, seeds. It's not necessary with sweet peas or edible peas. They almost inevitably take on the water. But if it's got a re- if it's a seed that has a really hard casing, then you can get two small pieces of very fine sandpaper or some gravel sand in your hands and just rub the seeds between your hands with that coarse material and it'll abrade the coating enough to allow the water in. Mm-hmm. So you can do a second 12-hour soak and they'll probably all take the water on board then once the, the coating's broken a little bit. But 20, about 24 hours is the maximum you should soak them. So I once um, soaked some lupin seeds and forgot all about it, <laughs> left them there for about five days. They didn't grow. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, you drowned so them. I drowned yeah, the poor little exactly. thing. Murderer. Right. Murderer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, look, I just should let um, listeners know that um, the person speaking now is Meryl Johnson from Seedscape. So if you want to see the plants that she's talking about, you can hop on to Seedscape. Yes. Dot, dot, yes, it's dot net dot au. Dot net dot au. Seedscape and, dot net yeah, dot au. And um, people can buy these seeds uh, from Meryl there, but she has very kindly um, offered to 
uh, give these packets that mm-hmm. she's brought in away. Um, but Jane has put a caveat on the <laughs> Make giving it my away. Fault. Yes, <laughs> well, it is your fault. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and if you would like a packet of seeds that Meryl is talking about, um, you can call us, but you need to contribute to the show. Mm-hmm. So they could even just say what's going on in their garden. Is that, yep. is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Or so ask, a good, good ask a question. Ask a question. Good morning. Yes. You know, Jane, um, Jane is feeling I just think, lonely. Well, Mer- Meryl's very, very generously going to post these seeds yes. to, to somebody. Yeah. Um, so if someone just wants to call in and say hello, that'd yes. be great. And, so, and there's seven packets of seeds. There's seven so packets. So we've spoken about the... Um, and she can post Australia-wide, so even if you're listening down in Tasmania and you're worried, she now oh, can she's allowed yep. to. Tasmania oh, and Western Australia, oh, we're licensed for now. Oh, yes. All right. So the number to call in um, and chat with um, Doug or Matt is 94190155. So that's if you would like, um, even if you don't want seeds but you just want to ask us a question or say good day. Um, but if you want the seeds, um, you have to absolutely say mm-hmm. hello. Hello yep. to Jane specifically. <laughs> to me specifically, yeah. And it can't be Fermi or someone that knows me. Yeah. 94190155. All right. And, so, and we should also add that you don't have to give your name and address on air. No, of course that not. That will be taken private. Doug will take yes. that if yes. you hold on when we hang up on you. No. That's right. All right. So that's the sweet piece. What else have you got, Meryl? I've got, well, on my theme of beautiful fragrance, I've got some Gallium odoratum, which is a very old-fashioned herb. It was particularly popular in medieval times when they uh, had straw on on the floor to sup up all the... Oh, Nasties. The, the nasties. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. That's right. They, they sort of threw their chop bones over their shoulders and the pigs rustled around and, yeah, it was a pretty smelly old period of life generally. <laughs> so things that smelt nice were particularly valuable. And Gallium odoratum has the common name of ladies' bed straw because they would actually stuff their mattresses with the stems and foliage of this plant and when it's uh, pressed or walked on or rubbed, it smells like new mown hay. Well, you can understand why ladies like to frolic in <laughs> <laughs> beds stuffed with, with ladies' right. bed straw, gallium odoratum. It's a very – all of the ones that I've chosen to bring are really easy seeds to germinate. Um, and the gallium odoratum fits that category. It's quick and easy to sow and, and get. Is that sort of full sun, Meryl, when it, It's actually it very adaptable. Yeah. It'll grow in full sun, part shade, even quite a bit of shade, mm-hmm. and it just forms a nice little ground cover, pretty little sort of pointed leaves, uh, formally arranged, and heads of white flowers. But it's the most wonderful thing for for fragrance in the garden and for drying and preserving, putting in potpourries and insect repelling, sachets, etc., etc. So an old one mm-hmm. and a lovely new one to contrast with it. We've just started to make available a, a beautiful one called Campanula thysoides. Now, Campanulas or bellflowers, whilst they have a great reputation as cut flowers, people don't associate them with scent at all because mm-hmm. most Campanulas are not fragrant but this one is and what's more it's a stunner of a looker as well because it it grows oh how to describe it it's it's like a like a red hot poker except the flowers start at the bot the base of the stem and go all the way up so it's it's sort of a a club shaped 
um, spire of these beautiful soft lemon creamy flowers. Creamy lemon is a good way to describe the colour. Little tiny bells, really closely packed. So, yeah, it looks very much like a red-hot poker, but with the flowers all the way along the stem. Only stands about 30 to 40 centimetres high. Lovely little rosette of leaves down on the ground. Um, but the perfume is lovely. And old favourites, snapdragons. <laughs> Speaking of plants that children adore and young people adore, <laughs> snapdragons, I think, are, are a great candidate for grandmas to grow for their grandkids because kids just love plucking off the flowers and <laughs> working the dragon's jaws because each flower really does look like um, a, a dragon and does have a mouth which can open up and down. They're keeled flowers. Now, there's a reason for that. That's so the bees have to burrow into the flower. They actually have to lift the, the flower lid to get in to get their pollen and their nectar. So they are very good pollinators. The, the flowers are pollinated easily if the bees are prepared to work for it. So I've actually brought two new strap dragons along. One is called um, uh, Double Shot Peach, and these are double snap dragons, so they don't just have the single row of petals or, or sort of mouth of petals. They actually have an extra frill coming out of their mouth and the most beautiful colours, sort of blended, melting colours of peachy tones, very, very fashionable at the moment. And a new little dwarf snap dragon, which is called Bronze Dragon, with bronze red burgundy chocolate foliage mm, all, all, all the time with soft pink flowers on top. It's a really fetching colour combination and perfect for pots and small gardens because it's just a little dwarf grower. Do, do they need full sun? Snapdragons do like full sun, although they'll tolerate a little bit of shade. Your Campanula will grow in some shade. The Gallium odoratum, the ladies' bedstraw, will grow in some shade. Sweet peas tend to like full sun for at least most of the day. But uh, finally, a, uh, a real shade lover is uh, one that Jane will love because it's a great <laughs> bulb, yep. Cardiocrinum giganteum. So we've, we've talked about a whole lot of plants that are fairly small and suitable for small gardens. This is a killer of a giant plant. This is a giant Himalayan lily. And it's one for patient people. It is one for patient people. <laughs> they do grow readily from seed, although a good trick, and I, I don't know, I'm sure Jane will endorse this, a good trick with lilium seed is to sow it on its thin edge. You know, the, the, um, the impulses to lay, these are fairly flat sort of saucer-shaped seeds in, in the lilium family, and, and the instinct is to lay them flat on the ground. But in fact, you lay them thin edge up and down. So... Yeah, pointy, pointy edge down. And uh, that helps them to germinate enormously and helps them, helps them with their drainage as well. Why do you need to be patient for them? Ah, with the cardiocrinums, they, they take several years to mature mm -hmm. and each bulb will only flower once and then it sets offsets which then go on to mature and then do their round of flowering. So it's kind of one you need to get started with early in life mm -hmm. because you need to get a whole succession of age plants to have constant flowering each year because each pup 
or offset will take several years to grow to mature right. Maya, I'm flowering at you. size. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm going to give those seeds to Maya. <laughs> now, um, Maya, it's because it, it takes about seven or eight years from seed for this to flower. It's about the foliage on the cardiochronum as well. Yes. It has these amazing um, ovate, Sort of glossy green leaves. They're, Ooh, they're, they're glossy. Huge. So um, by huge, you're waving your hands around. That's looking like about 30 centimetres. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it does need definite afternoon shade, and they come from the Himalaya, honey. They so like you're that. going to need to nurture it. Um, and yeah, as Meryl said, you know, they, it, it's slightly monocarpic, as in when it flowers, it dies. But each year, that bulb, as it's getting towards flowering, makes a little pup on the side. So. Um, Mother Nature provides for it's like when we were talking about the grandmother passing on to the mm, mother kind of yep, thing a couple of weeks ago. Yam Daisy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool in itself too. Um, they're very heavy feeders, so any of your organic sort of plus things like that um, is fabulous for them. But and do you yeah. keep them in pots for you? You, you can, you can. But any of these things that are sort of from those cooler areas, like the Himalaya, they, it's easier in the ground because you can have that sort of temperature control sure. much easier yep. than you can yep. for in a, a pot. pot. Yep. Yep. Uh, just to describe the perfect conditions for them, I once was lucky enough to walk through a garden in New Zealand and they this had... This will be a, in the South Island. In the South Island, <laughs> yes. And they had a creek gully with quite steep sides with tall deciduous trees sort of sheltering this gully. And they had, I kid you not, thousands of cardiocrinums all along the banks of this creek gully. The perfume, I was lucky enough to be there when they were flowering, perfume was just overwhelming. And the flowers are very impressive. They're long lily-type trumpets, quite long, big trumpets, beautiful colours of creams and pinks and greens, but the perfume is and you, overwhelming. And you're talking about a stem that's two to three metres high. Whoa. Yes. yes. With these, right. yeah, these amazing giants. Um, myriad of trumpets at the top of it, and you look up into this beautiful creamy white flower and there's this deep magenta little stripes in, and on a warm summer's evening it smells like the old fruit saline. Do you know the fizzy saline, yes. that lemony, yeah. zesty sort of, ah, oh, it's, it's incredible. Well, it's, you, you sort of go, oh, cardiocrinums are out. We were talking earlier about um, lying down on the ground, yep. looking at plants. So this is one where you get the ladder out. Yeah, yeah, yeah where you look up. <laughs> yeah, well, you can still lay down on the ground and look up for it because, you know, there's nothing better than making snow angels in your cardiocrinums or your erythronium patch too. It's, you know, let's get in and immerse. Yes. All yes. right. Well, let's. Don't worry about the leeches, people. Just get down there. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's go to Lois. Thanks for holding on, Lois. That's, that's quite all right. Um, excuse me. I'll just. Do a little <coughs> and Sorry about that. We had you on the line for a while. I hear, I hear you're into sweet peas. I'm very interested in the sweet peas. And actually, I'm interested to hear the young horticulturist who is going the right way. And that was very interesting. And then, while I'm sitting here trying hard to think how I'm going to address the sweet pea problem, uh, the crinium sounded marvellous that you were just talking about the crinium. Yes. Well, I think all gardeners need to have a holy grail 
all the other seeds that I've brought are really quick and easy ones to germinate. You know, kids can do it. But the cardiocrinum is one of those plants I call a holy grail where you, you know, you strive after it and it's not easy, but boy, have you got bragging rights when you finally get one. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Anyway, to go back to the sweet peas, so someone else can have a chance um, to talk to you all, which is such a jolly good thing on a Sunday morning, I must admit. Every, every Sunday, we're there listening. That's <laughs> wonderful. With this, uh, the, the seeds of the sweet peas, I was wondering... I could um, put a claim to some of them or look after all of them. Uh, it doesn't matter because it's for our daughter, who we always called Peas. Oh, is that so gorgeous? She loves sweet peas. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional now uh, <laughs> because she's not a little girl anymore. But, um, <laughs> um, me being an old lady, I'm just. I thought that was wonderful. If I could have some sweet pea seeds and donate for them, that would be a pleasure. Well, look, if you leave your name and address with Doug, I've got another lovely new sweet pea called Cupid Black, which is deepest burgundy black colour, gorgeous scent, little grower, and I think you'd like that one as well. So if you're kind enough to leave your name and address with Doug, I'll make sure I send you some Matricana sweet peas and some Cupid Black sweet peas. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Thank you very, very much. And we love hearing you on the radio anytime you're on and the plants and diversity and mainly the fact that you do have old plants. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> old, old is good, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not quite sure lately, but uh, thank you very much, girls. All you right, enjoy. Thanks, Thanks for the call. Bye. Thanks, Lois. Uh, Thanks, the young lady. <laughs> yes. She's fun. Yes, <laughs> we're having a lot of fun. Good Th- luck with everything. Good bye, on you. Darling. Thanks, Lois. Bye-bye. All right, and let's go to Mary. Good morning, Mary. Oh, good morning, ladies. Um, I just wanted to, uh, just prompted by your earlier talk about um, about the restorative nature of gardens, just wanted to tell people about a wonderful book called The Maddest Place on Earth, and it's by an equally wonderful woman called Jill Geese, that's G-I-E-S-E, and it's about the, um, the establishment of the old Hugh Asylum, now called Wilsmere and turned into private apartments and what have you. But it was, you know, um, in the start of her book, she, she talks about today seeing, you know, people who suffer from mental illness as well as people who suffer from lack of money, um, people just... You, you know, sleeping in the streets, and in those days when they when they founded the Yarra Bend Lunatic Asylum, as it was called, it was meant to be an asylum and a place of beauty. And, and, and in the true word, garden. the true yeah. meaning of the word asylum, a place exactly. of refuge and exactly. and safety. Yes, but the beauty of the gardens was meant to nurture. 
the soul. And um, it's just quite a, quite a wonderful, wonderful book to bring back that vision. And, of course, you know, you had places like Mont Park where it was almost a farm and, and, and Royal Park too. And it's a very interesting um, reminder to us of how our attitudes have changed and, and how we, we don't know about that now. Yes, so yes. So that's a marvellous book. So that's what I, I rang to say. Um, if you can find it properly in the library. It was only published in 2018, um, and, and I read it then. But it really is it really is just so informative and so inspiring, the book. And is uh, I would be delighted to send you some seeds, you know, given the interesting topic that you've brought up and and that reference to such an interesting book. Is there something in particular that you might like, Mary? Well, I would be torn between, Meryl, between the, the snapdragons because my mother gave me a little part of the garden when I was about five or six. Oh, bless her. And a little packet of mixed seeds. But she grew snapdragons and sweet peas. But I love the idea of those double snapdragons. Oh, they're very spectacular. They're really frilly and flouncy and girly, you know. <laughs> outrageous <laughs> snapdragons. <laughs> that's me. That'd be lovely. Well, oh, I'd be delighted. If you have them with you, I have still to come in and pick up a, a book I bought at the radio thorn so I could pick them up. All right, oh, I'll, that, that's I'll, fantastic. I'll leave them at uh, the desk for you. That's absolutely oh, fine. It's so lovely to hear you all talking with such deep love of the natural world. It's really gorgeous. Fantastic. Thank you so well, thank you, you so much enjoy. for ringing in, Mary. <laughs> thank and you. I, so I should mention, too, that snapdragons are edible, so they're good to grow in the veggie patch, too. They have a spicy, sweet flavour um, and, and quite, a, quite a potent punch of flavour, so you don't need to denude your whole snapdragon patch. <laughs> <laughs> you can just pluck a few flowers just as you do with nasturtium leaves and flowers, and pop them into a salad or at the last minute into a stir-fry. They have that lovely spicy sweet flavour that complements so many other ingredients, but it's the colour, of course, in, in fresh salads that makes them delightful. And you can always play with snapping the jaws <laughs> if you're bored over dinner. I love the way Meryl describes stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. So good. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, Mary. We'll leave those seeds for you. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Have a good Sunday. Bye for now. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. I'm just going to read a couple of texts. Um, Anne has messaged in to say, I'm in bed. That's just not on, you know, Anne. I'm in bed enjoying Meryl's chat on seeds. I'm checking the photo of each seed that she suggests from her webpage, (laughs) which people can do by going to seedscape.com. Net.au. Um, looks like I need to do some seed shopping. So, and Anne's very much enjoying the show. It's so very easy from your bed, too. It is. It's, it's scarily My, easy, yeah. I know. And Janine um, texts and say, Hi, lovely garden show. Um, I'm having trouble getting aquilegia seeds in colours of brown and black to germinate. Any ideas? Uh, yes. My trick with any seeds that are recalcitrant you know if they're really being stubborn about germinating and this also works for aquilegia seeds 
is to give them a period of chilling. Um, they, they need to have a duration of cold to get rid of that inhibitor, the germination inhibitor. So if you've already sewn them, not a problem. Just wrap up the punnet or the little pot that you've got them in in some glad wrap or a clip lock bag, uh, something that will hold the moisture in. So soak thoroughly first, stand the punnet in a shallow water bath and allow the moisture to percolate up to the surface from below. Then drain, but don't let it dry out, just drain quickly and then wrap it into cling wrap or something like that Bung it in the fridge. I had to buy a second fridge to do all of the seeds that I wanted to do. And you leave it there. Four weeks is a minimum. Six weeks is better. And then you bring it out, uh, re-soak again, you know, re-moisten again, and place it in a warm, well-lit spot, but not in any direct sunlight. And they should come away really, really quickly. They've had what they've had what they figure is winter—a pretend winter. So if you do that straight away, it'll still be good germinating temperatures when they come out after four to six weeks, and uh, away they should go. Okay. Well, I wonder why specifically those particular colours. Uh, I, I think. Oh, sorry, no, I think it's the um, Aquilegia veritiflora that she's talking about, which is that they call the chocolate. Um, species mm-hmm. and being a true species, it has um, so the inner inner skirt on an aquilegia or bonnet is a really dark brown, chocolatey mm. colour, and the the outer um, tepals are a beautiful olivey green colour, and it can thing. be quite difficult to germinate. Yeah. A lot of your cultivars and um, hybrids and things like that are, are quite easy; they'll self seed around the garden and things. But um, yeah, aquilegia veritiflora can be. A little bit harder. And, and we've also got Aquilegia atrata, which is known as the black um, uh, Aquilegia or black granny's bonnet. It's a really deepest burgundy black. And then there's uh, a, a more modern cultivar, Barlow black, which mm. is really black, but double and, and fluffy. But as Jane was saying, those tree, true species like the atrata and the Verita flora uh, they do need that cold trigger yep. to get them going. Cool. So Excellent. she can try that? Yes. Very well, good. she's ordering seed from... Yes, yeah. from Meryl. <laughs> from Ben. <laughs> yeah. um, look, um, Fermi, hi Fermi, has texted in to say the um, Alpine Garden Society Vic Group is holding its conference on the 23rd of September at Sky High in Mount Dandenong. A number of tickets are available for free for students of horticulture, Ooh, botany, plant sciences. Um, applications for scholarships close on August the 16th, so get in quick. Um, that's at agsvicgroup.org. Um, I have, um, yes, put my name down for the conference. I'm okay. looking forward to it and I'm going to be, uh, what am I going to be doing in the afternoon, Jane? <laughs> you do, <laughs> Making you're something. Crevice gardening. Crevice gardening. Um, right, so yes. just quickly, um, thank you, Fermi. Um, so this is to celebrate the 50-year birthday of the Alpine Garden Society of Victoria. Um, they are getting out the very esteemed um, John Mitchell from the Edinburgh Botanic Gardens and he's going to be the main speaker in the morning sessions on From Wild to Cultivation, um, which in particular is something that is, I I think, very important of finding out where something comes from in the wild and this is exactly what already a 16-year-old 
wonderful person in the <laughs> studio with us already knows. Working out what the plant want, where it wants, where is the plant from, like adding extra bark to her mixes and things like that. So proud of you. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, and there's other panel discussions. So it will be me, Craig Wilson from Gentiana mm-hmm. and Matt Reed from Antique Perennials, mm-hmm. two gentlemen with an amazing knowledge on plants and things. So we will be doing some rare perennials and things that you are a must-have, we think, but mm-hmm. are available in Australia as well. And then in the afternoon there's sessions that you can go to. Um, like Craig will be running a How to Design a Woodland Garden with Matt Reed. Mm-hmm. So the two of them together will be Beautiful. phenomenal. And lots um, of fun. Yes, then there's um, the amazing Alan Ayton, who is probably the most wealth of knowledge of Australian alpines that I know. Incredible human. He's running the crevice garden stuff too. You will love Alan. Um, And Aaron Condon is into the building of the crevice garden stuff too. Mm -hmm. And then Aaron's mum, the famous Viv Condon, who is the Alpine Garden Society, I think. Um, She's opening her amazing garden and she's got crevice gardens with things in them and stuff that you can go and see. And John Mitchell will be there at hers that afternoon to answer questions and things. Um, We're doing a little bit of a behind-the-scenes walk around the greenhouses at mine, if anyone's interested. Um, So it all kicks off at 8am, but -hmm. you really have to get onto that AGS vicgroup.org site to um, book tickets and you can select your afternoon sessions that you want to do. So it's a whole day event, whole people. Day. 20, what, 23rd of September, September from 8am till 5pm. Great day out. And lunch and morning tea and all that's included up at Sky High as well. Beautiful. Fabulous. And the, I mean, the chat from Edinburgh Botanic Garden should be fascinating mm. because that is one of the world's most beautiful gardens. But it also has a big role in conservation mm. of endangered species. Yep. So it will be a fascinating And that's one of his little niches too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it should be very interesting. So if anybody's interested in that, please get on the website and book some tickets. Excellent. Excellent. Plus you can come and say hello to me. Excellent. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Let's go to uh, Ricky. How are you, Ricky? I'm very well. Thank you. Thanks for holding. Uh, can I talk to the lady about those uh, sweet peas? Uh, Go for it. Yes. Uh, I would like to have the packet, but also, have you got a catalogue out what you can send me? We don't have any printed catalogues. I'm afraid it's only online, but hopefully, you know, I always find if I'm in trouble with a computer, just talk to a 10-year-old and they <laughs> usually solve the problems for me. So yeah. <laughs> if someone no, can help you to look online. No, I am in the same boat. I don't know much about computers and, and uh, even a phone is a bit of a hassle. Um, yes. So... Um, Oh, about the sweet peas. Uh, uh, I gave me an address, so they're sending it out. But can I have your email address, please, so I can look it up what you've got in stock? Yes, certainly. The website that has the full colour catalogue is www.seedscape. S double E D. S double E. D. Yes, 
S C A P E. So like seed. landscape, but seedscape. After the seed is S C A P E. Okay, scape. Okay. Net dot A U. Dot net A U. Thanks for your help. That's a pleasure. Good on you. Thank, um, thanks, Ricky. Thanks. Thanks very much. Have a good, good Sunday. Day, ladies. All right, Bye. you too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, this is the 3CR Garden Show. I'm A.B. Bishop, and my guests in the studio today are Jane Tonkin, Meryl Johnson, and Maya Quinn. Um, so it's lovely to be chatting. Jane, I think we need to get to a couple of your plants. Yeah, um, well, we're getting late in the morning. I just want to get the most out of mail, which is here too. So, but I will just steal the spotlight for a minute. I want to talk about some native orchids. Um, so the first one is this one, AB, which mm. is um, Terrastylus nutans, yep. or the nodding green hood, which is probably one of the most recognisable um, if you're and walking. And adorable. And adorable. Yes, it, it looks like I, it's paying homage to Mother Nature, I think, because Bowing it down. bows down yes. its little head. And this one is native to um, Me. foothills of Adelaide through to you, um, up the east coast to southern Queensland, um, so probably one of the most recognisable of all the terrestrialists out there because some of them can get a bit complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, relatively easy in pot culture if you're using a native mix that you're mixing in a little bit of extra perlite or gravel for drainage. Mm-hmm. And the aeration, um, they like yeah. that air. Yeah, and as for fertiliser, we use just a little bit of blood and bone or any of the granular native foods or whatever would be perfect. Um, and the other little green hood that I have is Terrastylus curta, which is probably where you would start with growing um, green hoods and things. And, um, yeah, so this one's called the blunt green hood, which seems a bit nasty to him but um it does sort of look up at you and in your face um kind of thing so this is has the same sort of distribution as nutans um but it will tolerate a little bit more dry conditions whereas nutans likes those more moist areas and stuff that um in the forest that you will find that one um so we just think that native orchids are a beautiful thing um we need to be conserving them, so that's not digging them out of the bush, anybody. No. Um, there is the famous organisation called ANOS, the Australian Native Orchid Society and of Victoria, and they are having – I'll do a, another little community <laughs> announcement. Um, they are doing their spring show, and that's on the 23rd and the 24th of September, and both days run from 9 till 4. And it's at the Waverley Community Centre, which is 47 Miller Crescent in Mount Waverley. And it's only a $5 entry free fee. Under 16s are free. Um, You're only 15, aren't you? Yeah, yeah she is now. <laughs> yeah, <it's great. laughs> um, so the club runs this and it is one of the uh, best orchid displays of terrestrial native orchids in the world. Um, we do it really well. And it's it's not just um, your Coribus and uh, Terrastylus and um, I'm trying to think of sun orchids now. Um, come on, AB, help me out mm. here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And there's there's other things like the dendrobiums, you know, the bridal mm-hmm. veil um, yes. natives. The, the displays of those is amazing. Uh, and this club does a lot for conservation and preservation of uh, endangered species, which the list is growing. Um, so anyone that's interested in helping with that, ANOS Victoria, so A-N-O-S Victoria, you can have a look on their website and join. It's I think it's only $20 a year to be mm-hmm. a club member. They work um, with the conservation program at the Cranbourne Gardens as well. Um, they run a tuba bank each year, which is so everybody that's grown their own, they then donate that. to the tuba bank and then you pay like this minimal $3 for a packet of tubers. So in it's A, preserving each of these endangered things and B, it stops people going and digging them. And, yeah. and then the worst thing you can do out in the wild too is touch them because um, that disturbs the natural um, attractant for their pollinators mm. and things. So just observe from – take a photo. Yeah, take um, a photo. Don't, please don't touch. Um, yeah, so that, anyway, that's – the. Spring show for the Native Orchid Society. And I mean, anyone who loves photography or just being able to look into such delicate and intricately beautiful flowers, just go and have a look. Mm. It's fabulous. Mm. Take some close-ups while you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. It's a great show. And for $5 entry. Yeah. Kidding. And there's there's plant sales too on a Saturday morning. So... (laughs) Again, it starts at 9 o'clock and is usually a queue by 8.30 So, because the plant sales go really quickly. I'm sure. Mm. And right. you can buy books. You can. Oh, and there's a photographic exhibition too. Uh, there's, there's lots, lots to that things. show. Yep. Good. Yep. Good selling, Jane. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and where's Jane going to be on that weekend? Yeah. At the All AGS right. conference. All no, over yeah. the place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here, yeah. there and everywhere. Mm. All right. Let's talk about that one. This one. Okay. Um, I was in a couple of weeks ago – and with Craig and AB, and I had a little purple um, Romulea that was uh, from the Mediterranean region. And at the time I said that most Romulea are endemic to southern Africa. And so I thought today I would bring in one of the African species. And what we have is Romulea monodelpha. And to me, it is one of the most special of all the Romuleas out there. So they're in the Iridaceae family. Um, most only get to about 6 inches, 15 centimetres tall. But this one has the most amazing um, scarlet red glossy uh, blooms that open with this they almost look wet with the sheen on them. They're and in silken, aren't they? Yeah, mm. and inside is a deep, um, almost black centre surrounded by um, this bright mauve and it has to be seen to be believed, really. It's quite fantastic. I, I should take a photo and, and put on And there's lots of flowers. It's not just lots of one. Yeah. But when, they're in, when it's in bud, it's just as impressive because the outside of them is covered in this gold brushing. Um, so they have these little gold stripes on the outside of the Isn't petals as well, which is pretty cool. And I like the foliage, <laughs> Jane, because it's very thin, yeah. needle-like foliage. Yeah. Not sharp, not, mm. not jabby. Mm. Very fine. So, so as it dies away, it's not going to mm. – it can cohabit with other plants yep. quite happily without squishing them as it And it, it shows off away. the flowers well too. Yep. So, and they like a, a nice full sun spot 
um, rock garden mm-hmm. it is sort mm-hmm. of perfect for Romulaires. Um, or dormant, terracotta pots, yeah, they're good in terracotta yeah, pots. Dormant over the summer, so just cool and dry over the summer. Um, and then, yeah, each spring they just come back again. Beautiful. Mm. That's stunning. All right, let me read a couple of texts. Um, someone has messaged in to say the Camellia Show and Sale is on at the Mount Waverley Community Centre in Miller Crescent on Saturday and Sunday, August 19 and 20. Um, so another show to look out for. The Mount Waverley Community Centre does it's a, a great lot. place. It's amazing. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Waverley Garden on. Clubs yeah. there as well. Yeah. 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 Very, very busy place. And John from Northcote is saying, I have an old apple tree that is drying and needs to be removed. Or dying, sorry, not drying. Dying and needs to be removed. Can I take cuttings and try to grow and what would be the best way to do that? And John, you need to hop in your car straight away. And to head, to head out to Templestowe. <laughs> take the, some to, bits out to Take Temple some Stowe. bits out with you. Um, the Heritage Fruit Society have got their grafting and tree sales day and um, specifically doing um, apples. So I would head out there at One Homestead Road in Templestowe um, and the car parking is next to Petty's Orchard Cafe um, or you can hop online at the Heritage Fruits society.org and, and you'd be see. able to graft it you'd be able to graft it yeah so that was very good timing for that all right what else have we got over there jane oh what else do we want to talk about this um, beautiful the little, little iris, iris. Yes. okay so um most people might be familiar with iris being the big dutch iris mm. or um your flag iris etc or even the beautiful japanese ensartas there's some little baby ones out there too. So sweet. Um, and one of my favourite um, of all the iris genus, I think, is the reticulata iris. Um, and the, that meaning comes from that netted tunic that's on the bulbs underground. Oh. So now they're basically the reticulata iris, excuse me, uh, native to sort of northern Iran, Turkey, um, through that sort of Middle East where they're growing in – Sort of like a, a, a scree, gravelly, so they like really, really well drained. Mm-hmm. Um, they need moisture through the spring while they're growing, um, which is probably where they're from is the snowmelt sort of moisture that, that happens and then it's that hot, dry over the summer that they like. Mm-hmm. So um, when we're talking about replicating those sort of situations, it's giving these sort of things a dry summer rest and that too. So um, beautiful, like the typical Irish shape um, – and there's a myriad of colours in them now. The one I've got in here with me is springtime and um, the little styles are, are beautiful powder blue and the falls are this deep, um, almost royal purple. Royal purple mm. Or is it the, um, not the cardinal robes, the other one the beforehand, the bishop robe sort of purple colour. Um and, yeah, they have this fine sort of grass-like foliage as well, so the, the flowers show off quite well. So a full sun rockery position but very well-drained, please. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. Mm. Yep. And, and again, it it's got that fine oh, foliage. Is... And it has a perfume. Here, Meryl. Oh, it yep. does. I know. They're beautiful. Yeah. And a lot of them have a perfume. Because they're winter-blooming. So. Yeah. They Iris reticulata. Very cute. Mm. Bring in the pollinators. Mm. <laughs> very good. All right, a couple more texts. Uh, Chloe, our friend Chloe. Mm-hmm. 
uh, co-host. So much heart in this morning's show. Thank you, girls. You're welcome, Chloe. Not at all. And Kerry has messaged in, Meryl, uh, you only have a few sweet pea varieties on the website. Is that because it's late in the season to be planting them? Uh, yes. We've just selected a couple of really good ones for planting now. Mm-hmm. But later in the autumn, when autumn, sort of midwinter planting, if you've got a, uh, a warm place, There'll be lots more then. So these are a couple that we can still plant now yep. quite happily. Yep. I always do mine in pots first yep. because, you know, my garden's full of wildlife and things that scratch things out and eat them and pull things out. So I like to get them quite well established in a pot first and then plant them out in the garden when they're blackbird-proof and snail-proof. <laughs> yeah, yep. very, very good. And, Maya, what's happening in your garden? Are you going to get the veggies happening this year? Yes, well, we've got... A couple new veggie patches that we've just put manure in and mm-hmm. kind of just we built them ourselves out of apple crates. Fantastic. So we're probably going to put a lot of edible veggies and stuff that we'll use every day in salads and things, yeah. Any particular favourites that you're going for? Um, well, we always like spinach because that, that can go with everything. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, the, we have tried carrots before, but our soil for some reason like makes them – Weird shaped. <laughs> Needs to be very loose and free yeah. draining and sandy. They like yeah. that. Sandy. You know what I discovered recently or came across recently? There's a um, French variety of carrot that is completely round. Yes. And apparently it is not as fussy That's about correct. Ne- ne- because it doesn't have that long um, taproot. So I, I'd be going for those yeah. round Paris carrots. <laughs> and, they're, and they're good for growing in pots too because you don't need the depth don't of need the soil. Depth. Yeah. yeah. Very handy. And they taste great. Good colour. Yeah. But round, like little globes. Yeah. Yeah, very different. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Anything else? Um, I don't think so. We kind of always have herbs around and it's kind of just whatever is at Bunnings at the moment. We yeah. kind of just get that. Yeah. yeah. And I know that you um, popped in a few native plants during the year. How's how's the whole garden going? Is it settling in, all yeah, those plants? it's going really good. So we've made a new patch. It was just grass before and we've mm-hmm. made new. We went to the Briars Nursery and got lots of native plants to this area and we've created a little garden with different lots of different heights. We've got ground covers, like trees and lots of mid-bushes and stuff. So hopefully they're all still babies right now, but yeah. hopefully that they'll create a nice garden. Yeah. I think you should invite the principal of school around for a cup of tea and show off the <laughs> indigenous plants yeah. garden to him. Yeah. yeah. So, And what's the Briars Nursery like? It's really good. They've got like a major selection of plants. They're all sorted into like what's native to this exact area yep. and then what's native to different states. So they're still indigenous um, but not to the certain area. Fantastic. Really good, yeah. Okay, yeah. And and all tube stock, I suppose. Yeah. 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 So, so there's nice some cheap. bigger like pots as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're mostly just like smallish tubes. Forest yeah. tubes, yeah. 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 And um I forgot what's your dog's name? Frankie. Oh Frankie Frankie, Frankie doesn't uh, go and dig them all up. No, he's oh. really good. He <laughs> just <laughs> he does his own thing. He doesn't like eat plants or anything. Oh, that's lucky. So it's good, yeah. He's probably not a bored dog. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he's got a big garden to, yeah. to muck around in. Yeah, and you've got lots of birds there, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. We. I went on a walk with Frankie the other day and we saw lots of blue fairy wrens on the grass. Oh, it was really they gorgeous. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> 
they're quite gregarious, aren't they? They're not yeah. too fussed by people. No, no. If they're habituated to people, they'll come right up to you. Yeah, friendly birds. Yeah, and and the spinebills and honey eaters are the too. Same, well, I know. They it's get amazing. used to you. They're yeah. quite happy to flit and and frolic quite close to you. Yeah, I'm just still. Yeah. Do you have bird baths in your garden? Um, we do have one, but mm-hmm. it kind of is like got a lot of plants around it, so it's kind of hard to get to. We probably should move it. I think we're going to move it to the native plant area, mm-hmm. but when they're more grown because oh, yes. the plants are only, like, tiny at the moment. Yeah, 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 fantastic. And what about you, Meryl? Have you got lots of bird baths around the place? We do, from mm-hmm. tiny ones, on-the-ground ones, raised ones, to suit the different birds, mm-hmm. yeah, because we've got quite a spacious garden and uh, very mature trees and, and plants. Uh, there is habitat for all sorts of birds mm. in different places, and and they do stick to their habitats. They do, don't they? They, they do. really they do. They like their zones. They do. Yeah. Um, but we were very disappointed in our our fairy wrens for a while there because they deserted us and they went down the road to a, a neighbour who has an enormous dam. But they're back again. Oh. Thank goodness. We've forgiven them. <laughs> <laughs> they just went on holiday. Now, they went on, on holiday down the road. <laughs> oh, very good. And so what's everyone doing garden-wise for the weekend? Uh, I'm going home to plant lilies. Oh, lovely. How many? <laughs> More than I need to know. <laughs> Well, you are smiling, so. Well, yeah, well, at this stage, because this is like a little break for me. And, um, yeah, so it's, for me, it's lily planting time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Even though there will be still lilies available in some of the big stores for another couple of months or whatever. But they're beginning to dry out. Prime time is now. Okay. um, Because they will begin to make new roots and and start to shoot and things. So if anyone's got any packets of lily bulbs lying around, get them in the ground. Get into it. And make sure you bury them deep enough Mm. because I actually. Accidentally didn't plant some of mine deep enough, and the possums ate them. So, yep. yeah, get them get them down deep enough. For me, it's uh, I'm planting a new cut flower garden. Oh, lovely! Yeah, lots of perfume and colour. Yeah, we've we've expanded our veggie garden considerably. So we're devoting some to cut flowers. Fantastic. Hey, guys, look, that is all we have time for today. So I'd like to give a shout-out thank you to our producers, uh, Doug and to Matt, and thank you to Liz for doing our socials. Thanks to Meryl Johnson, Jane Tonkin and Maya Quinn. Please come back again, Maya. It was <laughs> delightful to have you here. Thank you. Um, so, and thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning into the 3CR Gardening Show. My name is Amy Bishop and until next week, bye-bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.